the 90s. Welcome to the Millennials of SoCal podcast with Philly Phil and Nat Attack. Let's talk about the music, cartoons, and everything else about the best generation. That is so yesterday. Hey everybody, it's Philly Phil. And it's the Navitac. And we are the Millennials of SoCal. That's right guys, today is October 31st. That's right, what is it? It's Halloween. (laughs) Oh my god, it's Halloween. I thought I was like, it's Monday, yo. It's Monday. Oh, Monday. A terrible day. Oh oh, wait, it's Halloween. Oh, in that case, yeah! (laughs) No, that's still terrifying. (laughs) Oh yeah. I bet. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's not terrifying. It's just free candy for the day. Yeah, and I've already been stealing some of PJ's candy. I can tell. I see all these wrappers all over the floor, man. (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. They're just empty calories. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Stop. Yeah, well, I had some candy today um, at work today. Uh, they had a bowl of Kit Kat bars, Reese's, Snickers, you name it. And did you bring me one? Hell no. Why not? I want one. All for one. And all for me. And all for me. I was <laughs> expecting one for all. Uh, it's backwards. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, so yes, this is the last Halloween special. Oh, boo. Boo. But don't worry, everybody. There's always next year. Yeah, yeah I know there's plenty of titles, like I said before. Yeah, and you know, I want to do an episode dedicated just to the sequels. Okay, I guess we can do that. <laughs> right, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, we can do that because a lot of these movies had some good sequels. Yeah, and some flops, and even those are still fun to talk about. Oh yeah, so for that, stay tuned for next year in 2023. But right now, let's take off for um, Halloween 2022. So Nat, or should I say Nat Attack. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, any updates, news, anything like that for um, for all of us here today? Yeah, actually, I heard that Warner Brothers might cancel Cartoon Network. No way. That's what we grew up with. I know. Those were all our favorite cartoons. Oh, my God. Like, is the channel, like, disappearing or what's going on? No. So, it's not totally canceled yet, but there have been, like, wide cancellations of, like, networks, um, you know, ending their contract with Cartoon Network. So um, Netflix like canceled 11 shows like uh, just this past month. And also there's been like wide layoffs in the studio as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing, you know, announced yet, but I mean, all these things are happening. It just doesn't look good for the network. Wow, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think the, the shows are ending. I'm, sh- I'm sure we'll still be able to watch, you know, Courage the Cowardly Dog, um, and some of the, you know, providing networks, like I think Hulu has it, or you can add it on. But I, the studio itself just might cancel that network. And, you know, we'll have to find an episode somewhere else, wherever they yeah. were bought, you know. Well, I believe Warner Brothers has some type of contract with Cartoon Network because we do see it on HBO Max. Right, so we'll be able to see them there. Oh, oh so they might be safe there. No, they'll actually, no, 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 because actually it was already removed. It's been removed from HBO Max. Oh, no. So, like, there's been a lot of cancellations, you know, some, not everywhere, though. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, because they're just going to be in storage or crates, you know, and people are going to start complaining like, hey, where are these cartoons? Hey, because think about it with Nickelodeon. We had some issues where they're like, we haven't seen certain cartoons and they're just never appearing. And sometimes they open another little 
a station or a hub just for those cartoons. And, I mean, that's what we can hope for, you know. Or, you know, to be more optimistic, we can just say, hey, guys, like, start watching these shows again in other networks so that the HBO, for example, picks it up again, you yeah. know. Because maybe it's just a lack of an audience. It's not bringing in any viewers anymore. Yeah, I bet, yeah. Yeah, that's what could be happening, too. So we'll see. We have to wait and see, like I said. Maybe we should talk to your uncle, right? <laughs> maybe he knows the scoop. Oh, yeah, he probably does. Who knows? But anyways, well, I'm going to have to change the mood on that and bring in some fun news. Yeah, give us the good news, Phil. So, well, good news. So whoever has a Nintendo Switch out there, guys, um, we used to play this game in the 90s, well, late 90s. Um, so this was a game that would either end friendships or end family relationships. <laughs> oh boy, it sounds dramatic. <laughs> yes, so there used to be these games called Mario Party. And <laughs> all I can tell you is this, between me and my siblings, we either get mad at each other because we stole somebody's stars or coins or we or beat each other in a mini game. We would just like, oh, you know, it would become a frustration of anger towards each other oh right yes yeah and the thing is why i bring that up is that nintendo switch their nintendo 64 expansion pack is bringing those games back oh so we can play them again yes we can play them again yes yeah, so, oh that's awesome so to um yeah and there's other um big uh titles coming back on the switch so i even brought it up to my siblings and they're like oh yeah we're gonna go back at it again guys i know <laughs> we had the other mario parties but like no this is the stuff that started it all yeah oh that's gonna be great for you yeah. guys yeah i think you played it with my siblings as well haven't you yeah well the uh well the newer ones okay it still had the same concept of just robbing each other and stuff <laughs> yeah. even on uh, where i base um some of that attitude was um you remember those uh clips i showed you called dorkly oh, where yeah. they make fun of mario and what peach says about mario she's like everything's so damn extreme with you oh yeah <laughs> and she's like when we're go-karting we have to do it in space on a rainbow or something right. like that or if we're if we have parties we hire ghosts to rob each other <laughs> <laughs> i know she just wants a normal relationship right? uh, yeah and then like mario's like well see there's this giant head don't you be blaming this on a giant hand <laughs> okay just all those things because based on the mario games right right yeah. he knows that he's like character yeah he, but yeah. then they just take it to an old different level of like reality like oh really like come on yeah yeah <laughs> like, who's gonna believe you like a giant head or stepping on turtles no. <laughs> yeah but anyways but those titles are going to be coming back i think i saw it at um, they're supposed to come back sometime in November, but there's more coming um, the month after and next year as, as well. Oh, that's going to be great. Yeah, Looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. Bring back those old memories. <laughs> that's right. Okay. But anyways, so for Halloween, guys, me and Nat feel like that these titles that we're going to talk about are the big ones that pretty much we see on Halloween Day, people's costumes. We see these titles where they got these you know, the titles of these movies yeah. that people like use these as costumes. When every they go, year. Every year. And these are movies that came out in the 80s. Yeah. And this is like 100% you're going to see somebody dressed up as one of these characters. Exactly. So I'm going to let Nat take it off from here for her titles and then me and then her again and then me again. Okay. We're uh, taking turns. Well, yeah. 
Of course, I should have just said it that way. <laughs> All right, Nat, let her rip. Okay, first title, yo, it's Halloween. John Carpenter's Halloween. Yes, sir. That one, not those uh, remakes or reboots? No, it is the original that came out in um, October 25th, 1978. Ooh. Yeah, so if you're an 80s baby, you probably grew up watching this movie. You're probably old enough to go see this movie <laughs> by the time it came out, right? Not me. I, I actually watched this when I was super young. Oh, no. This is... um Okay, well, let's just jump right into it. Uh, like you said, the director of this movie was John Carpenter, but John Carpenter was also the screenwriter and the producer, uh, along with his girlfriend at the time, whose name was Deborah Hill. Mm-hmm. So a quick synopsis of this movie is uh, this is an independent slasher film starring Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, it, like I said, it came out in 1978. The general plot centers around Michael Myers, who was committed to a sanitarium for murdering his sister when he was just six years old. He Ooh. escapes and stalks Jamie Lee Curtis's character, who's named Laurie Strode. Ooh, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. Wow, she was very young when she did this one. Yeah, this was actually one of her first... This is her big break. This is her, her oh, big film yes. debut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so, so, the film's budget, like I said, it was an independent film, so its budget was uh, pretty cheap for a movie. It was 300000 And guess what? What? It grossed over $70 million. Whoa. Yes. This has become one of the most profitable independent films of all time. This film evolved into a 13-film franchise with most, with its most recent and last one being Halloween Ends, which came out just this year oh. in 2022. So, so imagine for a movie that came out back in the 70s. It finally ended its franchise in 2022. 50 years at least. Really? Yes. I'm terrible at math. Yeah, 50 yeah, year at franchise. Least 50, uh, if you want to mm-hmm. be exact, maybe 44. But Let's do the math. <laughs> no, it's 44. Oh, okay. Yeah, can you believe it? A 40, 44 year long franchise. Absolutely uh, amazing. Wow. Yeah. And all, and that's the thing about these movies. These ones that are just low budget that right. wind up making a huge success and creating the most iconic character. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, let's let's keep talking about it. So okay. what inspired Halloween, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, John Carpenter was actually approached by an independent film producer named Erwin Yablon. I apologize if I butcher his name. Erwin um, Yablon and his financer at the, st- at the time, uh, whose name was Mustafa Akkad. They wanted Carpenter to direct a film about a psychotic killer who went after babysitters. Carpenter was paid just $10,000 to write, direct, and score the film. What? Yeah. That's it? Yeah. For a director? Well, low budget. It will, yeah, for an budget. independent film back in those days, yeah, you didn't make that much. You had to be with the, what they call the big eight studios to get paid yeah. a lot of money. Which he was not. Yes. Right. Then Carpenter agreed, but he wanted full creative control. And so he brought on his then-girlfriend, Deborah Hill, like we said. And although the title is Halloween, the, the movie title is Halloween, Carpenter has said that the holiday of Halloween was never intended to be the theme of the movie. You know, the, the theme of the movie is this, this psychotic babysitter killer. And he went along with Yvonne's idea that it had to occur on Halloween night. Uh-huh. So he was, like, making a movie about this guy who kills babysitters, but it had to, it had to happen on Halloween. That was Yvonne's big, you know, contract deal, I would uh-huh. say. Yeah, I see. Carpenter and Hill wrote the screenplay in just 10 days with some suggestions from Yvonne and Akkad. Deborah Hill wrote all the dialogue for the babysitters, and Carpenter wrote Michael Myers' soullessness, and he tried to portray his evil through his actions, that, that these actions would provoke bad feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, that scene when Myers kills the German Shepherd. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Carpenter says he, only a soulless person would hurt man's best friend. Oh, wow. 
that's uh, that's what he was trying to portray. He actually had visited an asylum in Kentucky to get inspiration, and there he saw a young boy who was suffering from schizophrenia. And he says, like, this child had soulless eyes. Like, they were just staring into nothingness. There was, like, no person in there. So that's where he got the inspiration and the idea for the killer child. The mask that uh, Michael Myers wears is actually a 1975 Captain James T. mask. Uh, You know, Mr. Kirk. Oh, James T. Kirk. Uh, Yes. Oh, uh, Star Trek. Yes, right. So it was one of that mask, and they ripped off the eyebrows and the sideburns, and they painted it a blue-gray mask. So they also opened the eye holes. So they chose this because the the mask looked emotionless, and they wanted the character to appear soullessness, right? Uh-huh. So Carpenter also said that he wanted to make sure no one could relate to Michael Myers. There couldn't be any empathy for him. Not like today where there's a bunch of sickos that are empathizing with Jeffrey Dahmer. You know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he's like, I don't want anyone to like Michael Myers like that. Um, the original Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. So would you believe that Jamie Lee Curtis wasn't Carpenter's first choice for the role of Laurie? I wouldn't believe that because I know back in those days, they choosing casting People was like, oh, I want this type of actress or whatever. But then they throw somebody out there. And then, yeah, it's just they debate who they want to cast. But sometimes get somebody out of left field, but happens to have some type of charisma to the film. Yeah, you know, that's what you hope. You want characters. I mean, that's every character's dream to be able to get picked up like that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, you know, Carpenter actually had no idea who Jamie Lee Curtis was at the time. He was like... uh, Oh, I don't think anybody would during that time. No, but Jamie Lee Curtis's mom is Janet Leigh, who appeared in, in Psycho. Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, yes. yes. Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Oh, the shower girl. Well, the shower girl, but the one who gets murdered in the shower, right? Right, yes, yes. That's Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. And then, of course, we know her dad, Tony Curtis. But yeah, go right. on. Well, Carp- so Carpenter's like, that's her mom. Okay, if we bring on this girl, you know, and we advertise or we, it's a marketing stunt. Hey, this is so-and-so's daughter. Come watch this film. And it worked. It was also Jamie Lee Curtis's big break into the industry. Wow. Well, it's so crazy that how she started her career because she's a well-known actress to Hollywood. You think of Jamie Lee Curtis, like this was her first break right here and that she's such a big well-known actress to hollywood these days like she's in all these big movies right she's in all she plays all these big women roles right yeah and yet her break was a scary horror movie that was pretty much an independent low budget film yeah exactly and this was so low budget i think she only got paid like maybe six thousand dollars for it Wow, that's really? the thing about independent films you don't get paid as much but you know what i say it's Hey, it's a role. Take it because you don't know what it can do for you. Right. And because of this role, she became known as the Scream Queen. The Scream Queen. Yes, right. my mom told me about that, that she was well known of being in these horror movies and, of course, screaming. <laughs> right. And screaming. That was, yeah, that's her thing. So uh, Michael Myers's character, uh, two people actually played him. Uh, There's an actor named uh, Nick Castle. He played the masked Michael Myers, so the one that's walking and stalking, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, he was actually John Carpenter's friend in college. Mm-hmm. So, you know, John oh, Carpenter okay. had his friend on the set and said, hey, yes. why don't you play this bad guy? Yeah. Um, the unmasked Michael Myers the, at the end of the movie um, was portrayed by an actor uh, named Tony Moran. Mm-hmm. So this movie, like you said, is one of the tops, right? Mm-hmm. This is this movie is amazingly popular. It basically developed the slasher horror genre. Mm-hmm. This movie also created the last girl alive trope, you know, where everyone dies except the lead character in this case, Jamie Lee oh, Curtis. Yes. And the director, John Carpenter, used um, the slasher like point of view, 
which was something that really hadn't been done before then. Mm-hmm. It gives like Alfred Hitchcock vibes, like where the director tells the audience something that the main character doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Like the killer's in the kitchen, Laurie. He's in there with a knife. Don't go in there, right? Mm-hmm. The audience knows because we're... we're oh, yes, I get you. So it's just pretty much saying that the audience knows where he's at or knows where the killer's at, but the, the story portrays that the actors, the characters don't know. They're just like, okay, it's just like, I'm going to go in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. Yeah, and we're but like, we know, and it yeah. gives us anxiety, right? Yes. And that's like, those are the type, kind of feelings you want when you go see a horror movie. You know, we see these themes in Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Scream. Also, the movie score added a lot to the film's scariness, you know. Um, although the killer had no dialogue, and there was a lot of, like, running and, like, falling, uh-huh. um, the music was what created the terror yeah. in the movie. Yeah. So, yeah, Halloween. Yeah, so when I think of Halloween, my mom used to tell me that this was the boogeyman. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah, so if, you, if you're bad, the boogeyman comes and gets you and... Technically, she was saying Michael Myers was the boogeyman. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah, that's the boogeyman, right? Yeah. Thinking about watching that movie, um, I would always see that they kill the attractive girls in the movie, of course, right? Yeah. And the portray is that every time a woman gets killed in the movie, usually it's so weird, but it has to be that she's either halfway naked or she's naked. Oh, yeah. That's all, that's another trope, right? Yes. And there's this thing about horror movies is that if you're a virgin, you'll survive. But if you're not a virgin, you're, <laughs> you're gonna... pretty much on the hit list. Oh, yeah. You're on the hit Oh, no. Yes. Yeah, that's, I think we talked about that a few episodes back with Boy Meets World, where yes. the virgins never die. Virgins never die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. There, there are some themes that I read about, about this movie having a lot of sexual tension. Yes. And there's a lot of people saying, oh, they're, the, the teen sexuality and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, or they're just teenagers being teenagers. Yeah, you that know? could be it too, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes, but I started thinking more about it, uh, that um, Michael Myers came from uh, an asylum or something like that. Yeah, right. And then he escaped. Yes, yeah. yeah. And it's fun. It's crazy because he, he kind of planned it somehow for him being a psychopath, that he planned his escape. And like in the beginning of the movie, as I remember, was that his doctor is arriving to the hospital and he sees all these patients just out and about. And he's like, why are they all out? And then next thing you know, this guy just jumps over the car and scares the woman and gets in the car and takes off with it. Right. And then, of course, it's supposed to be Michael Myers. Yeah, right. That That's who he is because he was um, put in a sanitarium. When and he was that six. doctor was supposed to be his his doctor from since he was a kid. And then, like he said, like, I look through that boy and I just see I just see something dark in him. Yeah. The yeah. soullessness, right? The soullessness. Yes. Yeah. And when I think of Michael Myers... People make the mistake of his name with uh, comedian Mike Myers. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. Um, they made a spoof on that in Robot Chicken, actually. They did? Oh, I haven't yeah. seen it. Supposedly, they treated it like a, a what do you call those uh, shows where somebody gets eliminated? Oh, eliminated. Yeah. Like a get, dating show? Or? Not, it wasn't a dating show, but it was more like a horror show, like who was the best killer or who's the best one, right? Okay. And Michael Myers gets voted off and all the, you know, the iconic mass killers or slashers 
give him a hug and he's walking now oh. and then he still has his mask michael myers how do you feel about being kicked out and then he takes off the mask and it's mike myers <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah it's like we were the same person the whole time yeah. yeah yeah but thinking about halloween i still think about those slasher movies and other ones i think about another slasher yeah, right? let's hear it. Talking about that show that I was telling about Robot Chicken, out of all those slashers, this character is very notorious and very iconic that you will see his costume, Freddy Krueger. Oh, you'll see him in your dreams. Yes. The first movie he came out in is A Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Yes. It came out in 1984. It was written and directed by none other than the, the other master of horror, Wes Craven. Oh, Wes Craven. Yeah, he does great movies too. Yes, he, he does a lot of weird, scary movies. Well, even his name sounds actually like like a horror name right there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when yeah. you hear the name Wes and then Craven, like Craven is like, I think like something witch-like or oh. <laughs> or maybe like if you take out the C, like the Raven, I'm like, oh my oh, God. Oh, yeah, definitely some <laughs> oh, yeah. connected themes there. Yeah. Um, this film created the notorious slasher Freddy Krueger. And just to give you guys this little hype right here, this was the debut of the big iconic actor Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah. Wow. He yeah. was very young oh. when he did this movie. I want to see this movie again. Oh, yeah. Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah. My my sisters were sad when they watched this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, getting on to Freddy Krueger's first movie. So, the film cost $1.1 million. Okay. And it grossed $57 million, Wow. Making that's very this good. one one of Craven's famous creations known to the world oh yeah absolutely yeah because a lot of people know in halloween who freddy krueger is oh yeah yeah oh he's the guy who who kills people in their dreams yeah iconic yeah terrifying very terrifying right so how big this movie is guess what this film is in the history books making it into the united states national film registry by the library of congress Oh, wow. And they put this in in 2021. So when I mean iconic movie, if it makes it into the Library of Congress, it's in the history books. Well, yeah. Yes. That's part of our history. Yes. Now. How, how many back. horror movies do you hear make it there? I Besides don't... Alien. Alien actually made it there. Oh, really? Uh, yes. No, yeah. I don't know of any others. Well, we don't know. There could probably be more, but we don't know. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. definitely a topic to jump into. Oh, yeah. But that'll be later on. So let's give this a quick synopsis. These four teenagers experience scary dreams that somehow they are in the exact area in these dreams. And they're being stalked by this deformed guy with iron claws a fedora and this iconic red and green striped long sleeve shirt okay what happens is whatever happens into the dream if they get scratched or cut when they wake up it winds up being real yeah so it's pretty yes talking about dream dream effects coming into reality oh wow yeah yeah so pretty scary right so it's like if you fall off a cliff in his dream you're pretty much going to be splattered in your bed. Oh, gosh. I'm not saying that can happen, but... Uh, no, yeah. Yeah, but that's the whole horror yeah, If you're on Elm Street. Right. <laughs> but anyways, one teenager is accused of a murder, but he witnessed something so abnormal that his girlfriend was being murdered by something just supernatural. But yet he's accused of the murder because he was in the same room with her. 
Yeah. Oh, God. So he was witnessing her just jumping on the ceilings. Getting cr- beat up. Getting slashed. He was accused of the murder. Mm-hmm. Right? The main teen, um, Nancy, she's one of the teenagers and finds out who he is, who Freddy Cougar is, right? How does she find out? So I'll get to that. But before she finds out... The friend that was accused of murder says, like, I seen something. This was not normal. It felt like there was somebody else there, but I didn't see it. And she want to wake up and all this stuff was happening, right? And then, of course, he gets arrested. But the thing is, Freddy Krueger was murdering specific teens. Oh, okay. So getting on to, like, how she finds out who Freddy Krueger is, right? Okay. So Freddy Krueger was murdered by the families of Elm Street. Oh, okay. So... The people of Elm Street, including some of the teenager's parents, especially Nancy, her mother, killed Freddy Krueger for getting away with murdering 20 kids. But the courts let him go because I guess they didn't have evidence to prove that he murdered them. So the parents of Elm Street went on a vigilante spree and they burnt him alive in his boiler room oh wow they took matters into their own hands yes so now he's haunting their children in their dreams as revenge wow so but nancy is the smart one out of the whole group and finds a way to defeat him and of course ends him right there but of course in every horror movie well not every horror movie but most horror movies do you think there's always a happy ending no Of course not, right? Guess what happened at Halloween? Michael Myers disappeared, right? Right. And this one, the car just automatically locks and the car just drives away automatically when they're all like, hey, what's going on, right? And then the mom's waving and she gets sucked into the doorway by Freddy Krueger. Oh, gosh. Yes. So that's the thing about horror movies is that sometimes there's never a happy ending and they made sure of it. Yeah, it's devastating. Yes. Wait, but I haven't seen this movie in a long time. How does she defeat him in the dreams? Can you tell us? Um, she builds traps and she tries to dream in her own home. Oh, okay. Yes. okay. And those traps are set up in her dream too wow. as well. Right, because it's yeah, her dream. Yes, it's her dream, right? So anyways, so of course I have to bring up the sad part, right? Yeah. So we all know that this was Johnny Depp's debut. Right. Right? So yes, he dies. And no. he dies the most grotesque way compared to the other characters. Oh no, which is it? His bed eats him. <gasps> oh, that's an iconic scene. Yes, I yes, see that. Yes, the bed eats him and spits out all his blood and guts and spreads it all over the room. Oh my god. Yes. So gross. Yes, very. Not a single trace of skin or anything, just all blood. Well, yeah, he's just. In he blender. just got. He got blundered by Kruger, right? Oh no, yeah. Yes. So, anyways. Thinking about including Johnny Depp, I actually, I'm glad that he won his case against Amber Heard. Yeah, Yes. <laughs> me too. Yes, you know, I would like to see him back on the screen again. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I hear he's in some projects, but yes. I'm, I don't know the full details of it. Yes, neither do I, but we know he is. But, you know, this was where he got his start from, his big start. Yep, a horror film. Yes, a horror film, just like Jamie Lee Curtis. That's right. Right? So getting on to the whole idea of a nightmare on elm street so craven got this idea from his childhood years reading articles about what you call it Hmong refugees people from uh, asia okay so i guess during uh vietnam because this was like in the early 70s it was still during vietnam war a lot of these refugees were fleeing to the u.s but they were coming back and when they were living here in the united states majority of them were having these nightmares and most of them were actually dying in their sleep 
Oh, wow. Yes. They called it the Asian death syndrome. Oh, their nightmares must have just given them heart attacks. Yes. It's okay. a po- strong possibility. Okay. Right? So his idea was rejected by a lot of production uh, companies. The funny thing was Disney wanted it. Oh, really? But they wanted Craven to make it more PG. Oh, no. So like make a scary movie, have something in their dreams, but don't have them kill them. Just have them like scare them. Right? Right. But Craven was like, no, uh, uh-uh. I made this. I want it like this. Right? He wanted to go to this level of horror. And Disney, of course, was like, okay, fine, bye, right? Because that's how Disney is, right? Yeah, I mean, if you can't, uh, you know, uh, submit listen. to their orders or listen to what they want, then they don't want to work with you. Yes, exactly. But only one company did. New Line Cinema, which we've been there, right, Nat? Next to inside the Warner Brothers lot? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. A lot of people know who Freddy Krueger is, right? Yeah. Yeah, he, I described him, but we see him every year. When we're driving around, doing trick-or-treating, we're always going to see somebody in a Freddy Krueger costume. Oh, yeah. All the time, right? So uh, let me ask you this, Nat. How many titles has Freddy Krueger been in? Um, oh, gosh, I don't know. Seven titles, including a crossover with Jason. Oh, yeah. And he actually, he actually got a remade movie in 2010. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Like just like what you said with Michael Myers being in ten, Freddy Krueger didn't make it that much, but he did have a lot of films in his series. Oh yeah, he did. He's he's an icon. Yeah, for sure, a favorite. So technically, total eight, maybe like nine films, I think. Yeah, that's a lot. And you know, well, seven titles to the Nightmare on Elm Street title, and then the other ones, you know, like a remake and the Jason and freddy versus jason crossover yeah yeah they're all inspired though by him yes right yeah so the guy who's behind freddy krueger his name is robert england not england england okay right (laughs) he played this famous role for eight films wow a true hero yeah and his last one was, was of course freddy versus jason right the remake, of course, they didn't have him in it. Okay, no. Yes, just like what we said about Child's Play, that actor, Freddy Krueger, I guess like they just stuck with this guy and they stuck to him until he can say, like, okay, that's it, man, I'm done. Yeah, until he was done. Yes, and this actor was, of course, well-known for just playing this big role itself. Oh, yeah, of course. So Craven created this guy, right? Created this guy. <laughs> so, But he was only able to direct two of those movies. Oh, really? Okay. Only the first one and the sixth one. Oh, really? That's so, a jump. Yeah, that's a weird jump, right? He didn't direct two, three, four, or five. Yeah. Or even the remake, oh, right? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just did the first one and the sixth one. I wonder if it's obvious. I haven't seen all of them, but I wonder if yeah. you can tell. Yeah, you can tell. You know a, a specific director's... Filming style? Uh, their filming style. Their filming style? Yes. Yeah. You would pick it up. Okay, yeah. Yes. So anyways, let me talk to you about this, Nat. Okay. When you think of Elm Street, um, when did you see it? The first time I saw it, I was actually maybe 17 years old, and I went to uh, Halloween Horror Nights in Universal Studios. Mm -hmm. That was the first time I I was introduced to Freddy Krueger. My God, you're really late in the game. Yeah, I was a late bloomer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, um, (laughs) you know, uh, Elm Street, the name Elm Street scares me. You know why? Why? Oxnard has an Elm Street. It does. Yes, it does. Somewhere, it's off of Saviors. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So for those who live in Oxnard on Xavier's, there's an Elm Street there. Oh no. Oh yeah. When Whenever. I when I heard about that movie, like when I was little, I was like, hell no, I'm not gonna sleep. <laughs> I'm not gonna take a nap there. Or if a house goes up for sale over there, and if it's very low, I think there's a reason why. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to live there. Yeah. I, don't. I wonder if they get a lot of trick or treaters, a lot of action on Halloween. I, I you know something I never noticed that like if if the city of Oxnard makes a deal about Elm Street. As, you know, hey, let's use Elm Street as a Halloween thing because yeah. of Nightmare on Elm Street. I know, right? I mean, I would take advantage of something like that. Yeah, I would. They uh-huh. could promote it and make it look big. But yeah, yeah. it's nothing but houses there. Uh, Just a little market on the corner, but that's it. Oh, that little corner market. We all got one. Yeah, we all got that one. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, but, you know, I always wanted to be Freddy Krueger when I was little. But, unfortunately, I was too small to fit in any of those costumes oh and then when you were finally big enough we were not trick-or-treating anymore huh yeah but who knows maybe in the long run i'll try to do it again yeah you can always be one okay yeah but anyways that's pretty much my part of the whole nightmare of elm street so what is our next psycho out there yeah i you know we mentioned him earlier let's talk about friday the 13th well the, the most cursed day of any week right yeah the most popular cursed day of any friday (laughs) right so uh this movie was directed by sean cunningham it was written by victor miller and it was produced by uh sean cunningham also Uh, (laughs) cunningham wow it must be english (laughs) yeah it's a very fancy name so quick background Set in 1979, teenagers and camp counselors at Crystal Lake are killed one by one as they attempt to reopen an abandoned summer camp. The killer turns out to be the mother of a deceased boy, uh, whose name is Jason, who had drowned while at the camp from neglectful teenagers in 1958. So this young boy had died on the camp, and this mother now, when the camp is trying to reopen, this mother now is killing all these teenagers, like 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Wow, mother revenge. Exactly. It was a mother's love, right? Mm-hmm. Friday the 13th was inspired by Halloween, you know, the movie I spoke about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director, Cunningham, wanted to make a movie that would make the audience jump out of their seats. So he wanted a jump scare movie. Uh-huh. The writer, Victor Miller, liked the idea of a vengeful mother, uh, literally a mother who would kill for her kid, right? Mm-hmm. As we know, there were sequels that followed this film, and the writer didn't like that that Jason appeared in these sequels because to him, Jason had always been dead. And it wasn't even his idea to have Jason reappear at the end of the movie, you know, like on the lake, mm-hmm. to give the intention that, oh, oh he's wow, still around. Really? Wow. Yeah, he didn't want that. It was actually the makeup artist's idea. Uh, his name was Tom Savini. He's like, oh, like, let's pretend Jacob, or like, let's make it seem that Jason is still alive and make it a cliffhanger. And then this started all the sequels. Wow. So all this time, technically, so when the first Friday the 13th came out, Jason wasn't even a thought, technically. No, he was like a dead kid. That's all he was. Wow. Yeah. Because then when I think of the sequels, now they threw Jason in there. So what you're saying is that Jason was supposed to be dead. But I, I remember seeing the second one and they try to say that now the lake was cursed and that's why Jason is alive. And well, in the sequels, right? Yeah. But technically they made that idea up for those movies to continue on. But the fact was this movie was just supposed to be a psycho mom killing people because of them not watching her son when he drowned in the lake. Exactly. That's wow. exactly it. Yeah. So, casting for the roles, Cunningham wasn't looking for big actors. He didn't want anyone too famous. He wanted responsible-looking teenagers that would fit a camp counselor aesthetic, you know, 
teenagers that look like they would work at a camp. <laughs> uh, but the most notable of the the teenagers on set was now is who we know as Kevin Bacon. Oh, Kevin Bacon. That's right. Oh, wow. Like another one, right? Yes. That's three for three right there. Exactly. Three actors that were nobodies that started in horror films and now look up. Yeah, now they, they continue to be big stars and big celebrities. I mean, he had been on some soap operas, but, you know, this was really his big debut. Oh, wow. So... Back to the film. In the beginning, this film didn't do that great in ratings. Mm-hmm. Like, it was called a silly, boring, youth-geared uh, horror movie, which makes sense after, like, um, the movie, like, Halloween. After that movie did so well, it was such an amazing independent film. Something like Jason just doesn't hit as hard, you know? Well, Jason didn't come out in this one, though. Maybe that's what they did. They probably uh, made a, a, what do you call it, a supernatural killer Oh, right. Well, For the sequel, though. Right, yeah. Like, I mean, after preceding a movie like Halloween, a, a movie like Friday the 13th just didn't hit as hard as that first one did, you know? Yes, I getcha. Yeah. They just made the title sound interesting. Yeah, and, the, you know, the bar was incredibly high for these slasher films now. Mm-hmm. Um, they also used the shots like Carpenter did, the, like the POV shots. Where the <laughs> oh, audi- yes. Where the audience is the, quote, killer, and oh. we can see through the killer's perspective. Yes. Yeah, when we find out it's the older woman, though, suddenly the killer, like, loses its credibility. So this was part of what gave it kind of crappy ratings. Like, when you find out it's, like, a, a mom, it's like, oh, those teenagers could have totally taken her on. Oh, yes. Yeah, you know. Um, and since its release, the film has had, like, up and down reviews. But it's still, like, it's now considered a cult classic. Yes, because it was crap back then. But now it's considered, like, one of the best slasher movies to start like this huge franchise yeah but i like like you said like you mentioned the franchise i believe that the film's popularity has to do with its sequels and its crossovers yes otherwise i would agree with the original ratings that it just seems like a teenager movie it relies heavily on gore and like violence but the gore isn't too really realistic and then the violence is like an old lady going after yeah. like a, yeah i think i see why they brought in jason into the sequel they wanted to like you know hype the movie up again right yes bring somebody back from the dead and saying that let's make the lake cursed so that's the reason why he came back from the dead and now he's seeking revenge for them killing not just abandoning him but killing his mother yeah exactly and at the like you mentioned at the end of the movie the mother gets decapitated which is you know ugh, that's horrific to watch which was a, a terrifying scene at the end, you know. But it's like, I understand the vengefulness of the the mother and the son, but like, you know, the writer Miller said, that wasn't his intention. He didn't want all these sequels. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing about horror movies is that they go too much on the sequels. Um, especially if they change the format of it, then it's like, you just ruined my creation in a way. Yeah, that's yes. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you want to create sequels, I say stick with the same cast and the same crew or the same crew at least yeah and if you're gonna get something better of course right Yeah, make but it a revival make it a revival don't just like change the cast and the crew around and then next thing you know things change right but i think this is the reason why they because of the ratings i think this is the reason why um they wanted to change it up of course because it was like yeah we got bad ratings because we had a grandma killing teenagers yeah, yeah, absolutely. because now with the sequels with Jason doing the murders now, because Jason actually looks abnormal, really big, has the strength of like 10 men like Frankenstein. Yeah, right. Well, not Frankenstein, but the Frankenstein monster. But, <laughs> but, um, but also that he's actually a walking zombie in a way, killing yeah. people. 
Yeah. And only wants to stay at Crystal Lake. <laughs> right. Yes, uh, I understand that part. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's why the ratings are. But like you said, now it's a cult classic. And um, we also see a lot of uh, Jasons out on Halloween night all the time. We have them every year. Yes. I'm going to ask you this question, my bebs. Okay, let's see. All right. It. Who was the killer in Friday the 13th? Jason's mom, but... Yes, yes, okay, you got it right. So I'm going to tell you why um, I say this, because there are people out there who say that it's Jason, no, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, right, but because of the sequels, it's always Jason, right? Yeah. The fact is they're wrong, right? Right. Which leads to my topic of the movie Scream. Oh, okay. Okay, another Wes Craven title. This dude was just on a roll with all these iconic titles and creativity of these slashers, like yeah. these these slasher titles. This is the bringing in Ghostface. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is a template. It's uh, essentially it's a template of, of all gore and slasher movies. Oh yes, oh yes, stalker the, movies for this, sure. Yes. Yeah, so, um, where I got this question from is this is how Drew Barrymore screwed up and <laughs> by answering saying Jason and. This is when you're like me, where you're like, no, I'm a movie fanatic. I know every movie, and I know the right and wrong answers. Right. And she answered it wrong, saying that it was Jason. And he's like, I'm sorry. You are wrong. And she's like, no, no, <laughs> I am wrong. I've seen that. It's like, really? If you've seen it, you realize that it was his mother. Right. Right? So that's what I mean by, like, pay attention to your movies, right? Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, getting on to the whole scream. So... This movie is pretty much about a stalker who calls his victims and pretty much does scary movie trivias for their survival, right? Oh gosh, yeah. The killer always calls his victims and he sometimes he talks with them like they're buddies and then he leads them on until it's closer to the, like, wait a minute, where did you say You're, you can see me right now? Right, yeah. Or like... You know who I am. Yeah, it gets right? weird really it fast. It gets yeah. weird really fast, right? This movie starred some iconic actors of the 90s. This was pretty much, I would say, for teenage actors and upcoming, like those type of actors, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I call it upcoming actors. Those are like teenagers, like adults who play teenagers movies, right? right. Okay. Yeah. So, of course, this movie starred iconic actors such as Neve Campbell, who plays... None other than Sidney Prescott. Okay, yeah. Right? David Arquette, which we know him as Dewey. Yeah. Courtney Cox. Friends, oh, Courtney wow. Cox, yeah. right? And we know him from Scooby-Doo, Matthew Lillard. Oh, yeah. Shaggy. Shaggy, yeah. Right? And we got another big name here, too. Jamie Kennedy. Oh, really? Malibu's Most Wanted. Malibu. I love him. <laughs> yeah. It's sad that we didn't get to see him uh, a few months ago. Yeah, he was at the collection. Yeah, he was, but somebody got sick. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Anyways, and of course, Drew Barrymore was in the movie as well, but she died in the beginning, which I'm going to get to later in this talk. Oh, okay. Okay, so this film made the character Ghostface famous. But Ghostface was around in the early 90s, created by Fun World. Okay. You know, they created costumes. Yeah. So Ghostface was around, of course, but getting a movie and making him big, this movie did it. Oh, but so you mean he was just a costume? He was originally just a costume, but the movie made gave this it, costume more famous. Story, like gave gave it, a, it a story, saying oh. the Ghostface was... 
a character who stalked his victims by phone calls and then luring them and killing them. Oh my god, that almost makes the movie more re- believable now. Because it could have been any mass murderer it could gone be. to a Halloween store and picked up this costume and now is killing people. Yes. Oh wow. Exactly, right? Yeah. So a quick synopsis of Scream. A high schooler receives an anonymous phone call and this stalker threatens her life with scary movie trivias. He kills her and her boyfriend and seeks out Sydney. Why does he kill her? Because it has to do something with Sydney. And they found out that she was friends with her in a classroom together. Okay. So based around the the date the the killing, it was based around the date when her mother, Sydney's mother, died. Okay. When she was murdered. So of course the killer is disguised as Ghostface and tries to kill her and she thinks that like oh whoever this guy is is just a maniac but then he says, oh, I'm going to do you like I did your mother. And mm-hmm. that's where she realizes, like, who are you, right? Yeah. So, of course, you know, she survives the first attempt of, you know, this killer. Um, the reporter played by Courtney Cox, they have an issue with each other because she wrote a book about her mom, that her mom was messing around behind her dad's back and messing around with all the other guys in the area. And what happens was is that Sydney accused a guy of killing her mother. And this guy says, like, your mother seduced me and I didn't kill her. But she still said that, no, I witnessed you kill her. So they locked him up and he's on death row, right? Oh, okay. But because of the phone call and Courtney Cox is talking to her, now Courtney Cox um, realizes that Sydney's unsure. And she's like, you're unsure now. That killer's still out there, huh? And then she could not answer. She's like, oh, my God. She put an innocent man in jail. We can save this guy. This is good. Because Courtney Cox is just focused on, she's a reporter. She's just focusing on making her career much bigger. Right. So she's saying that we can save an innocent man from getting killed on death row. Because he's on death row right now. Yeah, he's he's not, not, she's not concerned about the fact that there's a serial killer out there. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, there's a killer. And this guy's going to be getting the chair for something he didn't do. Uh Right. So, of course, Ghostface continues his murder spree as he gets closer and closer to Sydney. And he gets closer to her at a party. So, Sydney, of course, is now starting to have trust issues with her boyfriend. Because when she was about to be murdered by Ghostface, her boyfriend was there. And he had a cell phone on him. And she freaked out and thought it was him. But then they found out that it wasn't him because she received a phone call when he was in jail. So, she was like, oh, then in that case, it can't be him. But yet, she still feels uncomfortable, right? Right, okay. So, of course, they're at the party, and then Ghostface comes and kills Billy. Billy is her boyfriend. Yeah, oh, okay. Yes. And when she gets back in the house, she sees Billy still, like, like alive, like, right? Yeah. And then they open the door, and Jamie, Jamie Kennedy comes out. He's like, oh, my God, like this is happening right now. And then Billy has a gun and shoots Jamie Kennedy. Oh, no, yeah, because now he thinks he's the killer. Yeah, now she's like, why did you shoot him? Why did you do that? And then she realized that Billy had fake wounds and they were just it was just corn syrup oh my gosh okay right and of course matthew lillard is just like looking around and she's like you gotta help me you gotta help me and then he pulls out this recorder and it says surprise sydney and of course it's the voice of the call and she realized that these two were plotting to kill her wow and they use movie trivias as a way to plan their (laughs) 
their these oh, murders, right? Yeah, okay. So they've been watching a lot of scary movies and pulling these things, right? The reason why Billy wanted Sydney killed is because her mother made his dad have an affair. Oh. And the next thing you know that his dad was banging uh, Sydney's mom because Sydney's mom seduced him. Oh my gosh. And okay. it ruined his family and he did not like that. So he murdered her mom and now he still wants to murder her. Oh wow. It's just revenge. Yeah. Right? And of course, Courtney Cox somehow makes an appearance and partially saves her, allows her to escape, and then she's able to finish off everybody else and kills Billy. Oh, okay, she does. Yes. Yeah. And that's pretty much the whole easy, quick story about it, right? Okay, yeah, that was such a good movie. So, though. yeah, it was a really good um, movie by Wes Craven. He's a genius. Well, he was a genius. He passed away. Oh, yeah, because even, like, I know I've seen this movie, but you telling it to me again, I was like, oh, my gosh, really? Yeah. I was so enthralled. Yeah. It was like, yeah, I'm into scary movies, but um, it was a, how do you say this? It was a good story on how to portray a stalker. Yeah, and how like like how sneaky they are. You think of um, this one movie. It's called When a Stranger Calls. When you have somebody call you and you don't know who it is, but it's just trying to talk to you. Okay, yeah. But now trying to come after you and kill you. Yeah, like it goes beyond. Yeah, it goes on beyond, right? Yeah. So anyways, I'm going to give you some facts about this movie. Okay. All right. So, of course, Drew Barrymore was in this movie. And she was already a big, well-known actress already, right? right? Yes. So when this movie started, she was in the beginning. So the audience thinks that, oh, it's Drew Barrymore. Okay, she's in this movie. Okay, right? Right. But she is killed off in the beginning of the movie. Oh, right. Okay. So think of Hitchcock's when he had this main actress died in the kind of beginning to the middle of the movie. They went with that aspect. Like, why would you kill a lead actress in the beginning of the movie? Yeah, it surprises the audience. Yes. So this was actually Drew Barrymore's idea. Oh, of course. She's so smart. Yeah. She was originally supposed to actually, she was originally supposed to be uh, cast as Sidney Prescott. Okay. Right. But she gave this idea about her being killed off in the beginning of the movie because she knew that people know who she is. Right. But give the fans this impact that the lead actress gets killed off in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. That's so smart. Yes. So she said, I will take the role of Casey Becker, who's the character who dies in the beginning of the movie. Yes, the first victim. Yes. She said, like, when she read the script because they wanted her to play Sydney, that the script terrified her. Oh, yeah. I mean, the idea is, ter- is scary, yeah. Yes. So the film was originally going to be called... You want to know what it was supposed to be called? Oh, okay, yeah. Please tell me. Scary Movie. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> right? But the title didn't receive any bids, so they said, no, no, we can't put that. That's too cliche or something like that. That's so funny, though, yeah. because we do have scary movies. Yes, <laughs> that's where I'm going to get to later. Okay. So don't, don't, don't get ahead of the game right okay, there. Okay, sorry. <laughs> right? So, of course, they cast Campbell to play this role because she did this one movie called The Craft, the original Craft. I know they made a new one, the original The Craft. Where she's supposed to be a witch. Oh, okay. I'm not yes. familiar, but sounds yeah, good. Yeah, and that movie was her debut. But her doing this movie gave her her big break. Oh, yeah. Yes. And, of course, like we said, their big break. Yes. Right? That's four. That's four now, right? That's four, right? So, let's throw something interesting into this um, iconic movie. So, there was a lawsuit. And Sony 
had a thumb up their butt. Oh, no. Yeah, they assumed that Miramax and Dimension took the title Screamers. Oh, okay. Because they put Scream. Yeah, it's not the same. It's Screamer, yeah. Because three letters are not into the damn word. They think that, oh, well, they still took the title, so we got to sue them, right? Oh, wow. So it resulted that Sony did not truly pertain to the film's moniker. Yeah, it wasn't the same title. It wasn't the same title. Like, guys, it's Scream, not Screamers. If they put Screamers, think of like what we were talking about with Ghostbusters, right? Right. Right? Because it was the same title, they did have to pay something. But it wasn't the same, so you know what I mean? It wasn't the same exact title. It was. So Sony didn't really have a strong case. So they did not, right? Okay. So of course... They lost. Yeah. So guess what happened after the movie was made? It's a big iconic movie now, right? Yes. The film cost fourteen to fifteen million dollars. Okay, to make. And it grossed one hundred and seventy-three million. No way. Yes. Wow, that's amazing. Yes, that is a big, big number, right? Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it did great. It did really, really great, right? So, and this movie just has all these, what you call them? What's that word you say when they use it in other shows or movies? Tropes. They use a lot of tropes from this movie. Okay. Like phone calls, uh, stalker, things like that. Like, what's your favorite scary movie, right? Right. So, of course, the big trope of them all was the original title they were going to go with that is an actual a movie is yeah. scary movie yeah scary and movie. of course they made the whole entire spoof based upon scream and of course i know what you did last summer but they put it all together and now when we hear the name sydney yeah do we think of scream sydney or do we think of the other sydney from scary movie oh uh, yeah i think of the scary I, movie Sydney. Yeah, yeah i think everybody thinks of the scary movie sydney right yeah. but people have to remember that this is where the real Sydney came from, was from Scream, right? OG Sydney, yeah. Uh, yeah. And of course, they took the original title, and of course, they did pretty good with that, too. That movie, too, a scary movie, right? Yeah, I think because the title actually kind of made sense with the plot of the movie being silly. It required a silly title, right? Yes, mm-hmm. of course. But that's, you know, Scream is Scream. What do you think about Scream, Nat? Well, Scream, you showed me that movie. You're the first one to make me sit down and watch it. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of horror movies. But when Drew Barrymore died, I cried. I was like, oh my gosh, because she died so gruesome. These these deaths were violent, right? Yeah. And I think that's what gave Ghostface his horror. And then it was also, it kept me, you know, locked into this movie. I really had fun watching it. But yeah, it's a great story. And I think it's fun, that fact yeah. about Drew Barrymore. Great fact. Yeah, and it's crazy how... They made a simple Halloween mask into something really scary. Yes. And it's been around before the movie came out. And they just, like you said, they just like, oh, let's go to this Halloween store and get this mask and make it a killer. And next thing you know, Ghostface is now the notorious killer for the Scream franchise. Right. Right. And every Scream had a reason why. I don't know why they just stuck with Ghostface. But all of them had a plot against Sydney somehow. Wow. And they all used Ghostface. I don't know why Ghostface was chosen, but it was a good choice to make something so basic be so threatening. Yeah. Yeah, really good job. Yeah. Well, that, that was the great Russ Craven. Yeah, right? thanks for that. Good choice. Yes. But, you know, he's passed away. They made another one 
but I have not seen it yet because it's so difficult to watch something where the original creator is not there. You know, it's so hard to see it. But I know they kept some of the actors and the actresses. But maybe later on, I'll, we'll see it. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Yeah. We do have one more movie title. But first, let's go over two more things. Because this last movie title, we should leave this one title the best for last. All right. Sounds good to me. Okay. All right. So give me something that you have, Nat, and I'll give you something that I have. Okay. No, it's not money. <laughs> okay, well, if you want to give me money, that's fine, too. I just gave it to you this morning. Okay. <laughs> I have to pay for this relationship, guys. Oh, no. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Okay, so I know in the beginning of our Halloween series, we talked about Michael Jackson's thriller. Have you heard about Michael Jackson's ghost? Yes. I haven't heard it in a long time. I saw the, the video of it. It's been a long time. You're going to have to refresh my memory. Right. So Michael Jackson's music video and short film, Ghost. Not Michael Jackson's actual ghost, okay? Just to clear <laughs> things up. <laughs> All right? Yeah, I got you. It was directed by Stan Winston. It was produced by Michael Jackson, of course, uh, Mr. Winston, and, and David Nixay. The storyline was written by Stephen King. Oh, right? Stephen King. With help of Winston, uh, Mick Garris, and Michael Jackson, of course. All the dance sequences were choreographed by Michael Jackson. Of course. Yes. So, like I said, this short film, Michael Jackson plays a mayor that leads a mob to kick out a freak, or uh, what they call the maestro, who's Michael Jackson, out of the town of Normal Valley. The maestro- Normal Valley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you you know you envision this mob going to the scary castle. Yes, I remember that part. Right. So the maestro then challenges the mayor to the game of scaring contest, where whoever gets scared first has to leave. Mm-hmm. In the end, the maestro wins. This, yeah. this short was originally planned to be a release alongside the comedy film of the Adams Family Values. Oh. Yeah, okay. but unfortunately, the the contract was dropped. Uh, uh, Michael Jackson continued though because he liked the idea. I you know him being a true performer and artist. Um, instead, it aired actually in 1997 at the Cannes Film Festival. Okay. That's oh. where it first came out. Okay. Yeah, so Ghost is actually well known to be the most expensive music video ever filmed. Really? Yeah, it cost $15 million to make. Wow. Yeah, I, so I know we call it a short film, but I mean, in reality, it's, it's a long music video. A very long yeah, music so video. Yeah, so for music videos, $15 million, that's, you know, top bar. It also held the Guinness World Record for the longest music video until 2013 when Pharrell Williams came out with the music video for Happy. Oh, Happy, yeah. Yeah, I think it's like 38 minutes long, Michael Jackson's Ghost. Wow. It's almost 40 minutes long, yeah. That must have been one heck of a music video. Well, I seen it before, but I didn't know it was that long. Yeah. Wow. I, mean, I watched it for the podcast, and I mean, I was entertained the whole time. But yeah, it's long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but unfortunately, like um, the movie, but unfortunately, the video was a major flop for Michael. Oh yeah. Yeah. It probably was so expensive that it was just like, uh, it doesn't match Thriller. I know it's Michael Jackson, but I don't feel that same energy from his other pop songs yeah that's that's part of it but you know i think a big part of it was the time that it came out because at this time um, michael jackson was getting divorced from lisa marie presley and also his like first molestation allegations were coming oh, out at that time, I see why. 1993 so uh, a lot of people were just were not supportive of michael at that time and this uh this amazing video was a flop oh i see mm-hmm. they heard about his background and they're like people are like oh no i'm not gonna watch this now 
Yeah. Okay, yeah, so, I see. Which makes sense. I mean, you know, you don't want to support that kind of stuff, but it is kind of sad to see Michael's creation kind of flop. He's such an amazing performer. Yes. I mean, he was such an amazing performer. Yes, yes. He right. Was. So, yeah, that is Michael Jackson's Ghost. It was a yeah. fun movie. It was a fun short film to watch. Yeah. A lot of energy. Yeah. You know, honestly, if I had to choose between that and Thriller, I still choose Thriller because, yeah. because Thriller actually was really creative and it had more pop to it to make you want to dance. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt more energy from Thriller as well. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael had hoped that Ghost would have uh, succeeded a Thriller, but, you know, that wasn't the case. But I think he put a lot of effort into it for yeah. sure. Yeah, I know he always puts a lot of effort into his music and his performances. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, the king of pop, you know, he's resting some. He's resting somewhere. He's resting. <laughs> he's um. He's doing the moonwalk in the sky. He's doing the moonwalk in the sky. That's Pretty right. much, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, on to happier topics. Do you have something for us, Philly Phil? Actually, I do have something that attack. Okay. So, there's this show I used to watch. Actually, me and the, my siblings used to watch. And we would always do this carving pumpkins. Wow. Right? All the time. Whenever we carved pumpkins, this somehow the show would always be on. And we liked it so much oh, as kids. We did it for PJ one year, but we didn't do it this year, unfortunately. So, PJ likes this character. It's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Oh, how cute. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, Chuck, Snoopy. PJ likes Snoopy. Yeah. He loves Snoopy. One of these days, we'll take him to Knott's Berry Farm so he can meet Snoopy. Oh, he would love that. He would love that, right? Yeah. So, it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, right? That's what the show's called. It came out in 1966 on October 27th. A few days before Halloween, huh? It came out in the 60s? Yes. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. wow. Yeah, but this, think about it this way. Yeah, it came out in the 60s. Yes, this show, they always play this during October. So this was all pretty much the TV station's specials. This was like the beginning of the holiday special seasons. Okay. So you got October, November, December. So this was, so out of the Charlie Brown series of holidays, this is one out of the three. Okay. So you got... This one, yeah, okay. and then you got the Thanksgiving one, and then you got the Christmas one. Oh, they go in order. Got it. Yes, that's how they do it. But the shows were produced um, on different years. So, like, the first one was the Christmas one. Then that one did successful. Then they did the Halloween one, and then they did the Thanksgiving one. Okay. So, yeah, they kind of flip-flopped around, yeah. right? So, they would always air this in October. This was, like, just a big special for was ABC, CBS, whoever would broadcast the show. Okay. So, of course, they based this on Charles M. Schultz, his comic strips, which we know him as the Peanut Gang. Yeah. Right? So, let's give a little, uh, let's talk about the whole show here, the synopsis of the show. So, Linus and Lucy get a big pumpkin from the pumpkin patch. Pretty much, Lucy is uh, making Linus do all the dirty work by... Pick this pumpkin. Okay, now take it to the house. Oh. And <laughs> poor Linus ready. is like struggling because she picked the big pumpkin because Linus was just picking average pumpkins. Yeah. And she just like picked that one, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, they don't talk. This is all just based on silence in oh, the there's beginning. No dialogue. There's okay. no dialogue in the beginning, right? When they get the pumpkin in, Lucy. Uh, carves it and Linus starts crying. He's like, you didn't tell me you were going to kill it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And of course, the intro of the of the show is that the Peanuts gang is being harassed by like spirits and they hide in the pumpkin patch and that's where 
the pumpkin patch introduces what the title of the show is, which is called It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. And the gang is just hiding in the pumpkin patch, right? So after that, the show starts off as Charlie Brown is raking up some fall leaves, right? And, and Lucy tries to get Charlie Brown to kick the football. Oh, so we all know yeah. this Charlie Brown and Lucy thing that goes around, goes around where she wants him to kick the football. And, of course, Charlie yeah. Brown is like false for this is that Lucy likes to pull the ball away when Charlie Brown tries to kick the football. Yeah, yeah. And then he always, and he knows what she's about to do. He's like, no, you always do that. I promise I won't do it. She yeah. does something to persuade him. And he's like, maybe she really means it. Right. And then he goes and then she's straight oh, up. Oh, he's so gullible. Yeah. And of course, how he puts a lot of effort into his kicks that sometimes he flies up in the air. Yeah. Or, and he does like 360s <laughs> in the air. <laughs> he always uh, falls in a foot. And he right? always falls, right? Yeah. So, of course, it's Halloween, and Linus is writing a letter to the Great Pumpkin. And the characters are like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm writing to the Great Pumpkin. Okay. And Linus treats the Great Pumpkin like Santa Claus. Yeah, writing letters, yeah. Writing letters saying that I want presents, blah, 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 this and that, right? And they're all just like looking at Linus like, dude, are you crazy? I think you mean Santa Claus, right? Right. But Linus, he just has this idea that the Great Pumpkin is a true legend and that he comes um, in the pumpkin patch, rises, and gives presents to all the kids. And he does this on Halloween night. Okay, yeah. So they're just like, whatever, right? And they're all focused on going to this uh, Halloween party. They're getting ready for trick-or-treating, but of course Charlie Brown makes a lot of mistakes. So his ghost costume, he puts too many holes in it. Oh, gosh. How can you mess that up? <laughs> yeah, they're like, I guess he didn't know where the eyes were, so oh. he just kept cutting and cutting, right? And, of course, Snoopy, everybody loves Snoopy, is the flying ace. Flying ace. Okay, yeah, yeah. because yeah. he always tries to fight off the Red Baron. Yeah, right. I remember. Right. right? And Snoopy has the most biggest imagination than any of the Peanuts gang. I know. He's so creative. He's so creative. His mind, even us, we do things like Snoopy, like our minds just drifts us to another world and then in reality everybody's looking at us like what the heck are you doing you guys okay over there (laughs) yeah so the gang is trick-or-treating and this is where this is where people get sad about charlie brown so when he's trick-or-treating he gets nothing but rocks they're like i got this i got that i got a rock i got a rock and then another house i got this i got that i got a rock why does he keep getting rocks yeah i think they were people that were giving out candy I think they judged based upon your costume and what you're worth, and they just Aww. threw her rocks. Yeah. Yeah. But during the trick-or-treating, Linus is at the pumpkin patch waiting for the great pumpkin, and he has Sally. Yeah, Sally with him. Yeah, that's uh, Charlie Brown's sister. Okay. So, like, Sally is, has a crush on Linus. And she thought, like, you know, maybe I can hang out with Linus because I like him so much, right? Yeah, right. So she rather skip um, trick-or-treating and the Halloween party just to be with Linus. And finding out that Linus's legend is not true. And she gets mad. She's like, I can't believe I did this. I look like an idiot, right? I fell for all of this, you know? I missed out on this. I missed out on that, right? She's so (laughs) self-aware. Yeah, so even after their party, of course, you know, the gang is home. But Lucy is in bed and she wakes up realizing that 
Linus is not home. Yeah. And then she looks outside and she still sees him out there, but asleep. Oh, so she kid. has to go get him and he's cold as she brings him in the house, of course. And then the end of the show, she, Linus still believes the gray pumpkin's still real. And Charlie Brown's with him. He's like, Halloween kind of like sucked for him because I just got nothing but rocks. Right. Yeah. And pretty much that's how the show ended. Uh-huh. But Linus still has a strong belief that the great pumpkin is real and he'll come next year. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, what did you think about the first time I showed you this? Uh, the first time I remember being sad for Linus as well. Being like, that's not fair, right? But also, um, being it's so cute, he had so much optimism for the next year. Yes. Yeah, and of course, Charlie, Charlie Brown is a classic, you know. It's just a very endearing cartoon, and you know you can never go wrong with Charlie Brown. Yeah, and, and then when I think about Charlie Brown, I think about this, when I think about this episode, right? Like I used to car pumpkins watching this episode. Yeah. But so we talked about Robot Chicken earlier, right? Oh, no. They did one on the Great Pumpkin and they made Linus do something very dark. Oh, no. So Linus is like, every year the pump, the Great Pumpkin comes to the pumpkin patch every like October, right? Whatever. But some, for some reason, he doesn't show up. But this year he will. And he has like a freaking pentagram on the floor and he burns his blanket. He's like, oh, rise, Great Pumpkin, rise. Oh, my God. And he's like, there you are. Now you can give me presents but it's a demon pumpkin of course and of course it butchers him and it's butchering the whole peanuts gang oh no yes Terrible. <laughs> yeah and the fact was that linus went to that level just because the great pumpkin never showed up and he's like oh finally now you can give me presents and it just butchered him that's terrible <laughs> that's yeah. terrible right yeah, poor linus. yeah anyways but that's the great pumpkin so this is our last and final topic for halloween nat because this was your favorite one mine too but yours i'm gonna let you take it from here okay tell us what it is hocus pocus this it's funny we did the second one first because it came out on the first day of october this was our halloween movie as kids right this is the one this is the one yeah this was our jason we, this and is <laughs> yeah go ahead nat all right so yes talking about the original Hocus Pocus, directed by Kenny Ortega. This movie first came out on the Disney Channel in 1993. We know the story. Max and his family move to Salem, where he lights the black flame candle and brings back the Sanderson sisters. As I mentioned in our past episodes on the podcast, um, the movie didn't get great reviews at first. It actually lost Disney $16.5 million. Can you believe it? Mm-hmm. But over the years, it's become a Halloween staple and a cult classic. According to Whip Media, nowadays, Hocus Pocus is the second most watched movie in all of the USA every year. Oh, wow. For yes. it being a flop. Look what it did. Right. The producer, David Kushner, explains that he came up with the idea when he and his daughter were outside one night and they saw a black cat. In order to entertain his daughter... Uh, he made up a story that the black cat was once a real boy who was cursed and transformed by three witches. So that's how the idea of Hocus first came out. So I thought the cat uh, was in Binks? Yes. Sa- uh, Zachary Binks? Right, Zachary yeah. Binks. 
Now, I'm not going to go too much into the story because we already know the story. We love the story. Yes. I'm going to give you more of the facts, okay? The original script was intended to be much darker originally. The script was offered to Steven Spielberg. Oh. Yeah, it was offered to him to make when he was in Albion Entertainment. They wanted him to co-produce it with Disney, but Spielberg declined. He said he didn't want to work with Disney. A lot of really big directors did not want to work with Disney. Something about Disney is just like, yes, they make good children movies, but... They, they don't work well with others, I guess. Yeah. So after the script was rewritten to be more comedic, Bette Midler hopped on board with the project because she really liked it, and immediately the movie moved forward because now they had a big star. Mm-hmm. Bette Midler. Yeah. Yes. Did you know that Leonardo DiCaprio was originally offered the role of Max? Really? Yeah. He turned it down because he was doing What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Ah, uh, Johnny Depp movie. Right. Which is honestly the smartest move for him because that movie, you know, really Made him launched, look good. Yeah, launched his career. Yes, it did. They said that he played that role really good. Yeah. Yes. Back to the Hocus Pocus. <laughs> right. So, fun facts. Uh, our favorite actor, Doug Jones, revealed that the moths that fly out of his mouth during that scene in the graveyard were real moths. Oh my god, dude, really? Yeah, he had real moths in his mouth. Oh. And he said he hated having to retake this. I think he tried it on he tried to do it on one take and it had to be it. That's disgusting, man. Yeah. That's sick, bro. Right. Um another disgusting fact is that Sarah Jessica Parker revealed that she actually ate that spider in that scene. Oh my god. She found it and she ate it, it was real. Oh, <laughs> Did you know that the characters that played the devil and his wife are actually brother and sister in real life? Oh, yeah. And I think I knew that. Yeah. Gary and Penny Marshall. Yes. Yeah, they play husband and wife. And he, yeah, and he's a well-known actor as well. Yeah, he is. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell was originally offered the role of Sister Mary, but she turned it down because, quote, she didn't want to be a scary witch. <laughs> Could you imagine Rosie O'Donnell in place of that? Honestly, I do not. And I no mm-hmm. nothing against her, but uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, she's great in other stuff, but I Mary really, this is her character for sure. Yes. In place of Winnie... Uh, the producer originally wanted Cloris Leachman to play Winifred, and she also was not interested in being a witch. Wow. Yeah, so before they had Bette Midler, they were, you know, asking Cloris to get in it. Wow. And for the role of Sarah, we almost had Jennifer Lopez in place. She auditioned, but she didn't get the role, thankfully. J-Lo? I know, yes. I do not picture J-Lo. That would not make sense. Yeah. Really. No. So, uh, last fun fact before we get into our memories of the movie uh, is that you know that scene after they burn the witches alive in the school kill? Uh, yeah. Right? Uh, so they run out of the, the quote school, and the background of that scene is the same scene of the opening set of the show Friends. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember, yeah. With the I, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's the same set. Isn't that interesting? The same area. So that's, uh, well, no, it's not a, it's a Disney movie. So that must mean Disney asked warners to uh, if we can borrow your guys' set or wait where where was the the set of that at they were in massachusetts in salem some shots and the rest were film on film sets so yeah it's likely that they They rented warner brothers yeah so there's always some type of collaboration about using sets studios do it all the time oh yeah so philly what are your original thoughts about hocus pocus oh my god um it used to be sad for me that when i was little we would only be able to see the whole entire movie maybe once a year. But majority of the time, my mom would put it on when I was halfway through. 
So we would barely get to see the beginning of it. Oh, so you like you never got to see the whole movie as, as a much. Child? Okay. Yes, we would only see half of it. Wait, so your mom like you you didn't finish Hocus Pocus, which is probably intended for children of your age, but instead you were watching shows like The Thing. Yes. Through and through. <laughs> yes, my mom rather us like no watch these movies. These oh. are better. You guys want to be really scared? Watch this. Oh no. Yeah. It was a learning experience, I guess. Yes, and then when you watch this, then it's like nah. It's not that good. Um, (laughs) I mean, aside from its initial negative reviews, you also didn't think it was great? No, I thought it was good. I thought it was uh, fun to watch. Yeah, I think so. It's a fun movie. It's super cute. Yeah, it was very fun to watch. (laughs) A virgin liked the black flame candle. (laughs) Yeah, and then the way that they made Binks, the cat, they used a real cat body and they CGI'd over his face to make it talk, right? Yeah, and every time I think of um, how they made fun of Max... And they like to do this and when it comes to like um, Halloween or horror movies that it's always a virgin. Oh, yeah, that's a trope, right? Like, and it's funny because he goes up to the cop and, who happens to be just a guy in a costume and he's like, he goes like, here, come over here for a second. You're really a virgin? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it had those jokes in there for the parents. I thought you were going to say the how Hollywood always makes fun of Californians. Because you know in that scene where Max meets the two bullies? Oh, yeah, when he meets the two bullies, yeah. Yeah, they're, like, making fun of him because he's from Hollywood. Yeah, because he's like, I'm from California, Mm -hmm. Los Angeles. Yeah, (laughs) L.A. L.A., you know, like... (laughs) Just because, like, they're just like, what, huh? They make fun of him. They're like, uh, surf's up, dude, or whatever they say, and then they yeah. end up taking his shoes. That's such a traditional thing back in those days. They always stole their shoes. I mean, that's really the most demeaning, really. Hocus Pocus was one of the greatest childhood movies that I've seen with my siblings. I'm kind of glad that, you know, we share those with our kids and say, like, yeah, these were, like, movies we used to watch when we were your age. Right. Yeah, because we were barely babies when they came out. Yeah, I remember watching it, I think, when I was like seven or eight. And that was like the first year I think my mom let me be a witch for Halloween. <laughs> yeah, because if, if I was going to dress up, it always had to be something innocent. It had to be like an animal or an angel. And after I seen that movie, I remember wanting to be a witch. Oh, yeah. Ah, well, uh, hocus pocus, right? Yeah, good yeah. memories. Yeah, good memories. And then next thing you know, it took how many years? 30 years for a sequel? Right. And just to let you guys know, we missed something out, and I seen it. Where? The end of Hocus Pocus 2. If you watch the credits, nah, you didn't do it. I did. Oh, no. Okay. There is something in the end that makes it look like a sequel can come right after it. Really? Yes. What is it? You have to watch it yourself. (gasps) Put it on right now. (laughs) Okay, it's on. No, I'm just kidding. All right, guys. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this month of October. After this month... We're going back to a regular format, and after the month of November, then we start Christmas. The Christmas series. The Christmas series. That's right. That's correct. We had some fun, didn't we, for the month of October? Yeah, this was lots of fun. I really recommend all the movies we talked about, even the ones that are lesser known, even the old ones. Guys, you have to watch these classics, definitely before the end of the year. (laughs) Yes. Remember this, guys. We just threw out some good classic type of films, but if... We didn't get your titles. I understand completely. Remember, there's always next year. Yes. Yes. But anyways, we all want you to have a good day. Enjoy the trick-or-treating. Be safe. Be safe. Party on a Monday. Who parties on a Monday? Us millennials do. That's right. Yes. So this is Philly Phil. And this is Nat Attack. And we are... The millennials. Of SoCal. That was so yesterday. (laughs) 
Hope you enjoy your Halloween. We're back to our original segments with all those fun topics. Let's chit chat about those two funny characters, such as that one kangaroo we call Rocco and that cocky loaf Johnny Bravo. Pump jams from the Quad City DJs and those famous girl group, the Spice Girls. Let's not forget the brave little toaster and Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. Coming next week on the Millennials of SoCal podcast.